Welcome to the PGK Presents podcast with Pastor Gerald Kiner. You are about to get filled with inspiration, motivation, and education based upon the Word of God. Your consistent giving to this podcast will help keep these words of wisdom flowing into your device. To sow back into the ministry of Pastor Gerald Kiner, visit our online giving page at www.thejesuspeoplechurch.com. Today's podcast is entitled Praying with the Clock. This is one of the most prolific teachings on prayer ever in the body of Christ. The prayerlessness evident within the church is widespread and unchallenged. Today's message will train you to not be like the rest of the crowd, but instead to be so consistent and fervent in prayer that God can't help but recognize and reward you for your dedication in prayer. And now, let's join Pastor Kiner with the message already in progress. Amen. Thank God for Elder Estrich. She is a dynamic woman of God, as you all know right well. And um, she, as the other ministers, she has a, uh, license to do whatever God puts on her heart in this ministry. All she has to say is, Pastor, I want to do this, and she know it's done because I really love her and believe greatly in the anointing that is in her life. She has picked up um, an awesome mantle in prison ministry. Um, twice a month, she's been ministering to the women in jail, East Prison, and setting them on fire. She does ministry to so many people, so many places throughout the country. She's putting on conferences and on fire for the Lord. And she is the model woman that I expect all of our other ministers to be after, to pattern themselves after year after year, decade after decade. She is the mentor for all of us to be long in the Lord, steadfast in the Lord all the days of our lives. And I can't say enough about her and the work that she is doing. And this fourth Sunday, she's going to be preaching at 11 o'clock a.m. Sunday morning. So if you all are available to support her during that time of preaching, she will be preaching here again. It is my pleasure to, amen, have the privilege to minister to you all at this prayer conference that you all prayed so valiantly and powerfully earlier, um, beginning at the 7 a.m. hour on this Saturday morning. So to know that you are in the house of the Lord on a Saturday morning, you are the called out among the called out, that you are serious about prayer, you're serious about God, and he's going to reward you in the name of Jesus. I want to start by going to a key scripture with this Praying with the Clock series that we have begun. And this is a special edition for the prayer conference. And it is Matthew 26, 40 and 41. Well, it reads, And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. That ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He said, a key thing, he said, could you not watch with me one hour? Jesus broke away in during the hour of prayer and told the disciples, wait, I'm about to pray. So he came back after an hour. Somebody say, after an hour. After an hour of prayer, he returned and found all of the disciples sleep. And he told Peter, could you all not watch with me? Could you not have my back while I'm in prayer for one hour? And it's a significant point that we face in the body of Christ as disciples, our prayerlessness, our inability to pray with God for a significant amount of time. Very crucial. Even in our prayer time on this morning, the average prayer was about 12 to 15 minutes. And I know that Elder Estridge would want to see us, the power that you are was coming for, the power to continue to hit the devil even longer. But sometimes the devil say, well, I can take a break because I know in about 20 minutes they'll be done. You see that? He know, my God, that we don't sometimes have the ability through experience, that, that stamina in prayer, it doesn't happen in one or two days. 
the stamina to be able to pray and pray without ceasing comes from a dedicated life of praying day after day, week after week, month after month for hours upon hours upon hours at a time. Um, Sister Natalie, Minister Wade here, they can tell you over the last three years, I can tell you every hour that I've prayed over the last three years because I time myself and I email it to them so that I can I can instantly go back at any date and know what time I prayed, how long I prayed, because I pray with the clock. Very important when you pray with the clock. Now, the title of the teaching is so profound, we can't take it for granted. There's a difference between praying around the clock and praying with the clock. Praying around the clock sounds better, but praying with the clock is better. See, praying around the clock is kind of unrealistic because what? How do you go around the clock? How do you pray around the clock? How do you go around the clock? If you, you, you may not even see the clock just going around the clock. But when you're praying with the clock, you got it right there with you. <laughs> you got it right there with you. When you pray, if this were a clock, if I prayed around the clock, I'd have to go around it. You see that? But when I'm praying with the clock, it's right there with me. It's, it's my prayer aid. Hmm. Now, watch this. I want to deal with the power of measurement. The power of measurement. Jesus said, could you not pray with me one hour? He measured the amount of time of prayer. He said, could you not pray with me one hour? Usually, if I'm not praying an entire hour, I'm praying at least throughout the day, 15-minute segments or 10-minute segments or 5 minutes or 20 minutes or 30-minute segments, by the end of the day, it's going to, at a minimum, equal one hour. So my daily prayer life, at a minimum, is mandatory that I pray at least one hour. Over the past three years, when God began to give me that revelation, I have not missed in three years praying at least one hour within a 24 period of time when you understand this is very significant it would take your prayer life to a whole nother realm to understand the power of measurement everything in this world is measured when you go to work they measure how long you work you have to clock in working with the clock you have to clock in. If you're watching a television show, they, it's either measured, it's either a 30-minute show or it's a 60-minute show, but it's measured. When you look at, at any sports, any athletic event, every statistic is measured. So when you don't measure your prayer time, you can miss prayer time and don't even know it. Why did Jesus give a specific amount of time that he mentioned in his discussion about prayer? If you're taking notes, write this down. What gets measured gets done. What gets measured gets done. That quote is attributed to a, a, a business expert, thought leader by the name of Peter Drucker. He was one of the foremost business thinkers in the area of performance improvement. He wrote many books. He's a wealthy man. He's renowned throughout the business industry of helping businesses improve their performance. And he was a big uh, believer in measuring, measuring things. It's why some companies, they can tell you how long uh, it takes to make a hamburger. They can give you the time, how long it takes to cook a pot roast. They can tell you the time of how long it's going to take, how many people are going to come in their community, how many, uh, what's the demographics, what's the statistics, how many people may come in shopping at a particular mall. Companies don't buy, don't buy any land that's into an area that's not measured for the population that will support the area of the store. So everything is based upon Peter Ducker's uh, philosophy of performance measurement. And Jesus is giving us a performance measurement to his disciples. He said, you all at least pray with me one hour. If you do not measure the amount of time you pray, you will find yourself becoming a prayer backslider. I'm going to say it again. If you do not measure the, the amount of time you pray, you will find yourself becoming a prayer backslider. And even us as prayer warriors, we will have to catch up at a prayer conference. We have to come to the prayer. We have to call a prayer conference to get the prayer backsliders together so we can get back on fire to pray. 
One of God's major prayer warriors and leaders, Elder Esther, has to call for a prayer conference because all of the backsliders, we need to come together and pray. And there's a lot more that's left out. What made Solomon more blessed than any other man that ever lived? It was his prayer life. Solomon's prayer life is what made him more blessed than any man that ever lived. Matter of fact, remember when he was in prayer, after he finished prayer, God stopped him and said, hey, because you didn't ask for wealth, because you didn't ask for long life, because you didn't ask for the life of your enemies, I'm going to give you riches above all. There'll be no king like you before you or after you. That's immediately after he came from God in prayer. Immediately after he came from God in prayer. Now watch this. Here's another awesome scripture that deals with Solomon's prayer life was so powerful. We at the church, we still are, are riding open doors because God's response to Solomon's prayer. His prayer life was so powerful. Your prayer life could be so powerful that your children and children, your grandchild, woman, God, your children's children can have open doors because the prayer that you sent up to heaven. That's what happened with Solomon. Listen to this in 2 Chronicles 7. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Watch this. I heard many of you all pray this prayer today. And this is directly the result of Solomon's prayer life that God responded with this guarantee, with this promise for us as prayer warriors and believers. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be opened and my ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place. That's the powerful thing about the, the, the atmosphere, the being in the place of God. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name be there forever and my eyes and my heart shall be perpetually there. God said, I'll be there forever because Solomon prayed. He prayed when he built the house. He said, Lord, if you bless this house, Lord, wherever the people of God, wherever they turn their face to this house, if you will be there, Lord, we'll build this house for you and we'll make it there for you forever. And God did it for Solomon because he answered prayer. And oftentimes we miss many blessings, many breakthroughs. My, my prayer life has set me apart, has opened up many doors for me, has given me many things financially, spiritually, wisdom-wise, uh, mentally-wise, has, has set me apart. And I know it was nothing other than my dedication to God in prayer. That's the only difference that I can see between me and anybody else. There are a lot of people more educated, more gifted, they are better singers, they can do a lot of things better than me, but when you put it all together, he's looking for prayer people. When you, when you put it together, when you, you see what God is looking for, he ain't looking for the most educated, he's not looking for the most intelligent, he ain't looking for the most beautiful, the most lovely, he's looking for the person that know how to pray. He's looking for a prayer. Jesus said the hour cometh, the hour, the hour, the hour, the time cometh, and now is where the true worshiper shall worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeketh such to worship him. Now watch this. According to the Talmud, the Talmud is, is, is Jewish literature that is written by the rabbis. And the rabbis, they, they, they come from thousands of years. And the, and the Talmud is the oral authority. It is next to the Torah in, in Jewish literature on, on, on breaking down and understanding and explaining the context of Hebrew scripture. You see, my God, Elder Estrich had on her prayer shawl. And I almost wanted to drive home and go get my prayer shawl. And it is a, her mother is wearing it right now. It is, it is a, a Judaic symbol of, of what uh, the Talmud uh, said that, that the Bible wanted people to cover themselves with. Uh, the symbols of prayer. 
very, very powerful. And in the Talmud, it gives two reasons why there are three basic prayers. The Jews, they had three basic prayers. Three times a day they prayed. This is why Daniel, they knew when to catch him because three times a day he would pray. He prayed with the clock. He, he prayed with the clock. He just didn't randomly pray when he feel like it. He just didn't randomly pray when, when, when something happened. He, he just didn't randomly pray, uh, I feel like I, I, ain't, I ain't prayed yet. So he, he, he had a set time in which he knew I have to pray. So like there's a set time when you know I got to go to work. I got to pick up my child. I got to go to the movies. There's a set time for everything under the sun. And there's a set time when you should be before the Lord in prayer. And according to the Talmud, one of the reasons is to recall the daily sacrifices in the, in the temple in, in Jerusalem. And, because, and watch this. Each patriarch instituted a special time of prayer. Abraham instituted the morning prayer. Isaac instituted the afternoon prayer. And Jacob instituted the evening prayer. So this is why the Jews, they pray three times a day, is because each of the patriarchs instituted, my God, a separate time to pray. Hmm. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew 5 and 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. So he said, I didn't come to take away you praying at least three times a day. He said, I didn't come to take that away. I come to fulfill. I come now that you're going to pray at least more than three times a day. When I call you now, you pray without ceasing now men shall always pray and never to fail but at a minimum somebody shall, at a minimum at a minimum there should be three times that we designate ourselves to pray now I'm going to take it a little high I'm going to escalate it for the body of Christ for, for the believer and we're going, to, we're going to eventually God's giving me a wisdom a vision while you all were yet praying earlier at the 7 o'clock hour he gave me a vision for a praying with the clock uh a prayer clock wall in which each separate time we write down what each time on the clock represents so it helped us to pray around the clock and that vision wasn't asked for it was delivered right when you all were praying he was giving me visions and dreams and signs and wonders and that's what happens when we're yet in prayer now we're going to break it down i'm going to give you the seven designated and coordinated times you can use as a guide for prayer I'm going to give you the seven designated and coordinated times you can use as a guide for prayer. Now remember, seven is the number of what? Completion. Oh my God. Seven is the number of completion. Number one is early morning prayer. Early morning prayer is between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. I was saying to myself, we're getting ready. I was, was kind of hoping that the prayer started a little earlier than what it did. I said, really, 7 o'clock was really for us as the lazy people. But really, when we really want to call an early prayer, it's going to be between the 6 a.m., the 4 a.m. or the 6 a.m. hour for those that really want to pray. It ain't too early. Anybody know what I'm talking about? For those of us that really want to pray, that know about getting up early. I didn't go to bed till about 3.30. So I was ready at 5 to get up. Anyway... The only reason I didn't pray at 3.35 is because I was coming here for 7 o'clock to pray. And the Lord said, you can go ahead and get some sleep because you're going to be back up here anyway. But I was in my spirit. I was ready to pray before I went to sleep. Now, watch this. So early morning prayer. The Bible says this. The Bible says this. Psalm 57, 7 through 9. My heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise Awake up, my glory. Awake, pastry and harp. I myself will awake early. He's saying, I'm going to awake early to be before the presence of the Lord. While everybody else is asleep. While everybody else is getting a nod in. While everybody else is, is having their hangover. I'm going to, now do you not think that makes a difference when millions of believers are asleep and somebody say, I'm about to wake up at about 4.30 in the morning and seek my father. Don't you think God will make a difference over your life? 
Don't you think that you won't be set apart? The Bible says also in Proverbs 8 and 17, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Not those that just wake up and, and do drink their coffee first and read their newspaper first and, and look at their early morning news and early morning talk show first. Listen, in the morning, I don't want to answer the phone for anybody until I talk to God. Nobody can hear my voice before I talk to God in the morning. Nobody hears my voice before I get up out the bed and call on the name of Jesus in the morning. So it's early prayer. That's the first designated time. Early morning between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. It's early morning. Secondly, you have our 9 a.m. prayers. 9 a.m. prayers, it represents Jesus being on the cross. In the biblically, uh, it's called the third hour prayer. The third hour prayer. The Judaic time clock is, is, is a little different from our um, American time clock. But biblically, it's the third hour prayer. In America, it's 9 a.m. prayer. Now watch this. He was crucified for your pains and the pains of others. So usually at the 9 o'clock prayer, at 9 a.m. prayer, I'm praying mostly for healing. I'm praying for the, the pain of others to be removed. I'm praying for the same thing that he went through, symbolic. I'm praying during that 9 a.m. prayer. Mark 15, 25, and, and it was the third hour and they crucified him. Now, he was crucified, so you pray again for the pain of others during your third hour, during that time. Third is symbolic, so whether it's, that's on my mind, whether it's 3 p.m., 3 a.m., or 9 a.m., I'm symbolically thinking about the pain. Oh, my God, Jesus, thank you, Lord. In Acts, what happened in Acts during the third hour? During the third hour in Acts when the Holy Spirit came down. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 and verses 14 through 14. The, the Spirit of the Lord came down so quickly during that designated time. Just like Jesus was crucified at that third hour. Doing Acts on the day of Pentecost at that same third hour. Somebody shout that same hour. His clock don't change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. See, if you get knowledge they didn't teach us in college, you standing out more than the average bishop, than the more than the average apostle, than the average evangelist, than the average pastor. You got knowledge that can take your prayer life to a whole nother realm. So during the third hour of prayer, that's when the Pentecost was come. And, and the apostle said, when they thought they were drinking and drunk, he said, baby, these ain't drunk as you suppose. Being only at the third hour of the day is only nine o'clock in the morning. How they up drinking at nine o'clock in the morning? These ain't drunk as you should suppose, but it's just the Holy Ghost has fallen upon them and have given them new tongues with the utterance which you don't understand. Oh God, if you're not in the spirit, the third, the third designated time is the noon prayers. Biblically, it's the sixth hour. In the sixth hour, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, at the, at the six, three hours later, the noon time came. That's when darkness came over the earth. Oh, my God. So what I'm praying for at the noon hour, I'm praying for a couple of things. I'm also tell you about the power uh, to be able to mock your enemies. Because also at the noon hour, this is when Elijah mocked his enemies at the prophets of Baal and said, ha ha, why can't you? Where's your God? Is your God asleep? Where's your God? Can your God not hear you? Come on now. So watch this. Listen to what happened. Matthew 27 and 44. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land. What happened in Acts in the sixth hour? Peter went to the rooftop to pray and got a vision about the clean and the unclean. That's Acts 10, 9 through 11. God told him during the vision, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. And he was giving him an illustration, not just about food, but about the Gentiles. And during that noon hour, at that ninth hour, at the noon hour, there's power that opens up. Darkness from heaven is coming. Then he gave him a revelation. And then even in First uh, uh, Kings 18 through 27, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry loud. 
And is he a God? Either is he talking or is he pursuing? Or is he in a journey or a pre-adventure? He's sleeping and must be awake. Come on. Watch with me. So at the noon hour, I'm mocking the enemy because I'm telling the enemy in the midst of my day, I stop and think about God. In the midst of my day, no matter how dark it is, no matter what I'm going through already in the early part of my day, I still can stop on my job and take a prayer break and call on the name of Jesus. No matter how many people been upset me earlier, no matter how many people been crucified me this morning, I stop at 12 o'clock and give you the glory, honor, and the praise that's due unto your name. God, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Look at this. Look at this. Psalm 55 and 17. Psalm 55 and 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Oh, my God. This is biblical. This is biblical, but we haven't been taught this because we didn't know this. You can expect our elder preachers 30, 40 years ago to understand the type of revelation that he's pouring up on us now. Jesus will often say, Lord, I thank thee that thou have hid these from the wise and prudent and delivered this unto babes. Oh, my God. There's some things God will hide from generations and reveal only unto you until you show up. You got some knowledge right now that will blow your pastor's mind. You could change the course of ministry if we listen to what God has put in your heart. Oh, God, you bad in the name of Jesus. Number four, number four is the 3 p.m. prayer. The 3 p.m. prayer biblically is the ninth hour it's the ninth hour. Jesus cried with a loud voice and lamented it during this ninth hour. Mark 15, 34. Because remember, Jesus stayed on the cross for six hours. Stayed on the cross for six hours. So you calculate it, these are the six hours. So he says, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Elo, 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 Lama Sabbathani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God. Why have thou forsaken me? Oh, listen to this, saints. During the ninth hour, you cry out unto the Lord. No matter what you've been going through during the day, the ninth hour, you cry out to the Lord in the name of Jesus. You cry out during your prayer break at that three o'clock time. You cry out to the Lord. If you ain't telling them nothing but Lord, I thank you. You cry out your heart. You cry out your soul. You cry out unto him what's paining you, what's troubling you, what's on the inside of you. You let him know how you feel. This ain't time to be fake. It ain't time to be all charismatic and pretty. It's it's just time to be real before the Lord. Uh, here's a further example of saints of old going to prayer at the ninth hour. At the ninth hour in Acts, Peter and John went into the temple, what did they call it? At the hour of prayer. It displayed God's power and men were healed in the temple. Let's look at Acts 3. Acts 3. 1. It said, now Peter and John went up together into the temple. When? At the hour of of prayer at the hour of prayer being when the ninth hour in America the ninth hour is 3 p.m. and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom lay daily at the gate which is called beautiful to ask alms of them there they entered the temple what was the man at the gate doing he was crying out cried somebody help me Somebody, baby, that's the time you ask for help. Sometimes I just wait. I just let stuff pile up into the ninth hour. Sometimes I don't pray it early. I say, baby, you wait till the third hour. You wait till the ninth hour. You wait. I'm going to let it build up to three o'clock and I'm going to let it out. Oh, watch this. Number five, number five, number five, number five. Number five is 6 p.m. prayer. 6 p.m. is what the Bible calls evening prayers. Remember, even in America, the official beginning of evening starts at 6 p.m. <laughs> 6 p.m. The official time of evening is 6 p.m. Watch this. Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. 
And when evening was come, he was there alone. Evening praying with the clock. Oftentimes when we fast, we'll have a fast. Our next fast after this, no sweet fast that we on for the next three months. After our next three months, our fast will be um, no food after sunset. Waiting for the evening, watching the evening time. It gives us sensitivity to be able to watch. Watch the time. No food after sunset. So we're rushing in and we're going to our refrigerators right before the sun sets. Because that's when evening begins. Oh, my God. Now, watch this. Sixthly, you have bedtime prayers. That's between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. for the average person. Between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m., you have your bedtime prayers. What is that based upon? Psalm 63 and 6. Some anointed preacher years ago came out about bedtime prayers of this scripture. When he said, when I remember thee upon my bed... And meditate on thee in the night watches. I'm going to remember you on my bed. Before I get in bed, I'm going to get about this bed. And on the side of my bed, I'm about to call upon your name before I go to bed. Before I lay my ass up down to sleep, I'm about to pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I think that's what your mama taught you. I pray the Lord my soul to take. He taught us that, baby, in elementary. Right before we was going to bed, that was our bedtime prayer. And it was solely based upon the word of God that we remember him. Before we go to sleep, we call on his name. Number seven, number seven. Here's the seventh, here's the seventh segment of prayer. It's the night watches. When you pray in the night watches, that's between midnight and 3 a.m. Don't you feel something different about being up in God by yourself when everybody else is sleeping and everybody else is snoring and the house is quiet and ain't nobody bothering you and ain't nobody who you like on the television ain't no good show on. That's the time to sneak away in the night watches and look for God yourself in Psalm 119 148. Psalm 119 148. It says my eyes Prevent the night watches that I might meditate upon thy word. Maybe I ain't going to sleep. I'm going to make sure my eyes prevent going to sleep. I'm about to stay up with the Holy Ghost because God never sleeps nor slumbers. Oh my God, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. This is after the disciples asked him in Luke 1, Lord, teach us how to pray. The verses 2 through 4, he taught them the Lord's prayer. Our Father. Pray this prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He said, pray this prayer. Then in verse 5, he taught them this. Look at eleven five, And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight? That's the night watches. Which of you having a friend should go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. He's still discussing prayer. For a friend of mine is in a, his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he found from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give thee. I say unto you, though he would not arise and give because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, the seriousness is what they were to mean. The seriousness, the gravity of the matter, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. See, God knows you serious when you up in the night watches. He know you for real when you up 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning praying. He know you mean business when you praying like that. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door, it shall be open. What is all of this based upon? Psalm 119, 164. Psalm 119, 164. David says, seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Now, one of the, word, one of the Hebrew words for Shabbat is the word to commend yourself to God. And you commend yourself to God in prayer. Let me give you, let me give you a little bit more. Let me give you a little bit more. Give you a little bit more. 
Let me give you three advantages of praying with the clock and praying often. Three advantages of praying with the clock and praying often. Then I'm going to close with giving you three outside factors that can help us pray more. Okay? I'm going to close with giving you three outside factors that can help us pray more. But first, let me give you three advantages of praying with the clock and praying often. Number one, you synchronize yourself with heaven's clock, which increases the likelihood of a move from God in your life. The more you pray, it increases the likelihood that God's going to move on your behalf. Now, God can come at any time. And I told the church this earlier, that the matter bus, then the expressway, it just don't come any time. It comes at an appointed time. In Ecclesiastes 9, 11, I returned and saw unto the heaven that the race is not given to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Praying with clock. You being there at the right place at the right time. Some stuff that I've got in my God, the average person can have right now. They just miss the time. Some stuff that somebody else got that we don't have, we could have. We just miss the time. So if you synchronize yourself with heaven's clock, you'll be on time. What if we start not, not being on point with the clock? See, a lot of times we out of order. We so out of order at these different times. Oh, so you're going to miss the expressway when God gets ready to say something. You're not there to hear it. Oh, let me tell you who, who proof you can miss your time. John 5, 2, and 3. Now there he is at Jerusalem by the sheep market of Pooh, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, hot, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. But there was a man there for 38 years, and he was missing the move of God. He said, I have no man. And there was a man that said, I didn't ask you what you didn't have. You right here at the right place at the right time. Because, oh, you're here with me, and I'm in the midst of you. And that's what prayer is. It's me being in the midst. So secondly, number two, you communicate more with God than everyone else. Listen, how many of you all growing up, you used to like, like pleasing your parents more than your brothers and sisters? You always try to do something special. You would really try to stand out. Oh, your teacher, you, you try to do something special to stand out. That's how your relationship should be with God. You ought to want to be so special to him. Like what you all did this morning, being here in prayer, that stands out for, for God. That gives you extra special privileges and extra advantages because you are what the Bible calls the remnant. The remnant is the small number of believers that keep the faith. They keep the old ways. They keep the old landmark. Everybody don't do it. They cut out a lot of stuff in church. They don't even have night services no more because it's not the, the thing to do. We don't have to be in church all day no more. We don't have to show God we want to celebrate him all day anymore. But there's a remnant. That it don't matter what people in America do, no matter how many churches close early and don't believe in Sunday school anymore, no matter what, there's a remnant that say, for him I live and for him I die. But I'm going to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now watch this. Malachi 3 and 16. They that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. That's a book called the book of remembrance. That every time you think about God, he writes it down. Every time you think about God, every time you talk about him, your name, how many pages do you have in that book? Every time you pray, your name is written more in the book of remembrance. God, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Number three, you get more from God than everyone else. Look at Daniel. Daniel 10, 11 through 12. How many people got saved from hungry lions? How many people have that testimony? Not many. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. 
For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Verse 12, then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel. From the first day thou set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words would heard. And I am come for thy words. He said, I didn't heard your words. You've been a praying man. You just didn't start praying in the lines then. What really changed my life and allowed me to really dedicate myself more to prayer even more is when my father in ministry was, was on his deathbed. And everybody, some of the leaders in the church, that was the first time they ever called for a prayer meeting. I knew then it wasn't going to work. Because I knew as many of y'all saying, now we're playing with God. You're going to wait to trouble come? To be a church? To call a prayer meet? Baby, I don't care who you put on that prayer list. God ain't coming for no stuff like that. We should have been calling prayer meetings all along. We should have been having prayer conferences all along. Don't wait for a storm to come and want to call a prayer meeting. You better be prayed up ahead of time. Your name got to be written in the book of remembrance ahead of time. God, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I close by giving you three outside factors that can help us pray more? Three outside factors that can help us pray more. Number one, our alarm clocks. Our alarm clocks. Why do we use an alarm clock to get up for work and not get up to pray to God? Answer that. Why do we use our alarm clocks to, to, to make sure the food don't burn? But to forget to make sure our soul is still burning on fire with Jesus. How dare we? Exodus 34 and 14. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous. It's a jealous God. God is jealous that we set our alarm clocks for everything but to remind us it's time to pray. My cell phone is set throughout the day to remind me that it's time to pray. Sometimes I don't care how anointed I can be. I don't care how powerful I can be. I don't care how much of prayer I can be. I still forget to pray. So I need some outside influences to help me remember that it's time to pray. And I use technology like an alarm clock on my cell phone to set it to go off at the time of prayer. And sometimes I may have to hit snooze for an hour, but I'm going to remember to go back to pray. Number one, our alarm clocks. Number two, our prayer partners. Our prayer partners are outside influences whose job can remind us to pray. I know a, a, a young lady named um, Priscilla Bobo. She testified to me about her friend uh, Angela and her. They've been praying for the last 10 years about either, it's either 3, 4, or 5 o'clock in the morning. They call each other and pray for a good long time, for 10 years. It's easier to do that when you have a prayer partner. It's easy to do that when your prayer partner says it's time to get up. See, we got a lot of arguing partners. We got a lot of partners that get on our nerves and tell us our problems and tell us about these bad issues we're going through. But we need some people that say, hey, it's time to pray. Hey, it's the third hour. It's time to pray. It's the sixth hour. It's time to pray. Don't forget about the night watches. I need somebody to, to, to pray with me, to remind me. Don't forget to pray. And that's some prayer partners for you. Listen to what David said. He said, I was in Psalm 122 and 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Now, let me tell you something. The house of the Lord was different back then from our house of the Lord in 2013. Because back then, it was a house of prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 21 and 13, and he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Today's church has made it a, a house of, of dance ministry and uh, a house of, of cooking and a house of, of hooping and hollering. But we don't get a lot of prayer. Maybe two or three minutes doing devotion. But it's not a real house of prayer. Biblically, David said, I was glad somebody reminded me it's time to go pray. 
It's time to go to the house and pray. It's time to go to the house of prayer. It's time to go to the place where people are going to be on their knees. I remember walking in the old day church and you walked in church. Folks was on their knees praying. And even the drunk and the alcoholic, they didn't just get delivered because some preacher was preaching. They got delivered because they saw everybody on their knees and they fell in line. The Holy Ghost convicted them and they fell in line and fell down and fell on their knees and got back up a new creature. Because the atmosphere was once saturated with prayer in the name of Jesus. I was over there, my God, while you all was praying during the 7 o'clock hour, and I was giving God the praise, and the Holy Ghost was telling me that our church would never be the same because we had some dynamic people up in here, touching and agreeing with some other people up in here, making this church, my God, go wild in prayer. I was thinking by Holy Ghost that Mr. Estrus had this event here. Because I felt him say this church would never be the same because the prayer of his people. I felt it in the name of Jesus. I was giving the praise for it. He said it would never be the same. My God, healing, deliverance, all is manifested because you all came together to pray in the call of the name of the Lord. It will never be the same because your prayers went up because the power of you walking around touching the chairs, the power of that, it will never be the same. It will never be the same. It will never, never be the same. Thank you, Jesus. Lastly, lastly, our attention to the news. Our attention to the news is an outside influence that can make us pray. If you look at what's going on in this world and you don't see that we need to fall on our knees and pray. If you see the rapes and the killings and the thieves and the robbers. If you hear some of the testimonies of what's going on, it ought to make us drop to our knees and call on the name of the Lord for what's going on in this sinful world. If we don't walk outside the churches and see the young men with the pants hanging down, the people, the cars, they're still at home in the driveway on a Sunday morning. If we don't hear about the crime and the hellishness that's going on in this world and not be sparked by the Holy Ghost to pray, something is wrong. Something is wrong. To hear any news about anything that's either on the news, in the newspaper, just coming through our ears on the telephone about the madness, the insanity that's in this world. It ought to make us want to pray. This is what it said in Isaiah. I'm going to give you four scriptures and we're closing. Listen to what it said in Isaiah 59. Yea, true faileth, and he that departed from evil maketh himself a prey. He said, Gee, God said, him that say I don't want to do wrong no more becomes a victim. He that say, I'm going to church now becomes the victim. Make it himself a prey. And the Lord saw it and it pleased him that there was no judgment. He said, who's judging this world? Who's judging what's going on? Who's judging the laws that have been passed that are outside, contrary to my word? And he saw that there was no man. And he wondered that there was no intercessor. God said, where are the intercessors? God said, look at what's going on in this world. Where are the intercessors? Look at the sinners in our apartment complexes. Look at the sinners, our next door neighbors. Where are the intercessors? Look at the backsliders in our church. Look at the people that are missing. Where are the intercessors? God wondered. He said, don't they know all they got to do is pray? Elder Ezra just said, we the intercessors. All we got to do is intercede. Jeremiah 8 and 22. Is there no bomb? They call medicine bomb. Healing bomb. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? This is where they trace back calling preachers. Even once they don't have an education, this is where they go back to call them doctors. Because we're supposed to be the doctors, doc. How you doing, doc? We're supposed to be the physicians. We're supposed to be the one that heal the church. We're supposed to be the one, like some of y'all was praying, Lord, oh Lord, we, we ask that you heal the brokenness in this place. Heal the hurt that's in this place. That's a physician. 
That's an intercessor. The job of a physician is to heal. Good God Almighty. First Thessalonians 5 and 17. He tells us to pray without ceasing. Oh God, we don't just have to pray the seven designated time. We can pray seven times seven. Oh, oh God, we can pray seven. If we can forgive seven times seven, why can't we pray seven times seven? Oh God, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Lastly, Acts 12 and 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but the prayer was made without ceasing. Oh God, of the church unto God for him. Prayer was made without ceasing. My only regret, my God, was we, we ended a little early. I want us to go as long as we could. Say, prayer was made without ceasing. Somebody stand on your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we close. I'm just going to have a word of prayer over this word into our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word that you have given us. I thank you for the knowledge, insight, and understanding. Lord, bless all of those that are yet receiving this word. Those in my presence, those that may be listening through the internet, Lord, those that may be listening via CD, I ask that you would increase our prayer life. Give us the spirit of intercessors. In the name of Jesus, forgive us for our prayerlessness. We ask to be closer to you. We ask to be in communion with you. We covered, we need your power from on high. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do, what you're going to reveal in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We know after today's message, your prayer life and level of spiritual and material reward manifesting from your increased prayer life will never be the same. If this message has blessed you, please consider blessing Pastor Kiner. Sow back into the life of this mighty man of God as he has just sowed into your life. Your gift will surely be an encouragement and a sign to Pastor Kiner that PGK Presents is making a difference into the lives of our listeners. Please visit our online giving page on our website at www.thejesuspeoplechurch.com. Also, on our website, you will be able to download countless other messages and books by Pastor Kiner. I'm Charles Nelson, and on behalf of PGK Presents, thank you for listening. Until the next podcast, be blessed.